G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. After the surgery, the doctor gave sort of a prognosis to my dad and just said, look, she's had serious head trauma. There's quite extensive brain damage. We're really not sure what it's going to mean, but she may not survive. And, and if she does, it's very, very likely that the person you know may well be gone. That upended my late childhood and then teenage years, where you go from having two parents to effectively looking after one of your parents. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, when Dan Patterson was nine years old, his world was rocked when his family was in a tragic car accident in which his mother was severely injured. And then at 18 years old, after not wanting to have anything to do with God for years, Dan began to search for answers to life's biggest questions. And now, questioning Christianity has become a big part of his life. We'll find out how as Dan Patterson shares his story today. He's chatting with Phil Edwards. I was born in Melbourne, so thoroughly Victorian, have AFL running through my veins, and I'm a supporter of the Carlton Blues in I was, AFL. I was going to ask you that. So. I am well-versed in suffering and the problem of evil. <laughs> but we moved up to Brisbane when I was five and sort of lived in the Sunshine State ever since. I've been married for the last 10 years to my wife, Erin. I've got three young boys, Josiah, Zach, and Seth, and... Uh, been in some kind of Christian ministry for about the last 15 years, having come to Christ around my 18th birthday through a series of big questions, and now just love helping people wrestle with the ones that they have about God too. So there's a one-minute thumbnail, and you can dig in wherever you're most interested. So um, as a teenager, so before you came you came to Christ, just describe what was your life like? So you were in Queensland by that point. Yeah, so we... The, the probably big before and after for me personally and certainly for my family more broadly was with a uh, car accident that we had when I was nine. So we'd driven back down to Melbourne for a family holiday over Christmas and on the way back through the Blue Mountains in New South Wales, it was a really foggy day and a truck pulled out in front of my dad sort of at the last moment and we smashed into the back of a truck. Wow. And that was a huge... Uh, you were nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, my mum was badly injured during that uh, accident. She was sort of crushed in the passenger side of the car. She headbutted the truck at high speed and had a car fridge hit her from behind in the back of the head at high speed. And, wow. And so she had to be cut from the vehicle and then airlifted to hospital where they removed a third of her skull so that she wouldn't die from intracranial pressure as her brain swelled. Um, and after the surgery, the doctor gave sort of a prognosis to my dad and just said, look, she's had serious head trauma. There's quite extensive brain damage. We're really not sure what it's going to mean, but she may not survive. And, and if she does, it's very, very likely that the person you know may well be gone. And so having to come to grips with that change um, and the months and months of therapy and the change in personality and capacity and having to learn to do a lot of things again for herself and, the, and things that she'll never be able to do again for herself, that upended my late childhood and then teenage years where you go from having two parents to effectively looking after one of your parents while my dad was often working to support the family. And, mm. and it was just a, a real change for me. And certainly, although we'd grown up with uh, sort of being taken to church and being exposed to Sunday school and stories about God and about Jesus. Nothing had really anchored in to me at really at that point. 
and my childlike belief in God that he'd cared about us and just wanted things to go well for us really was torpedoed into a million pieces on that roadside. And so my uh, my childhood years then, really the rest of it were me keeping God at arm's length, not really caring much about the God question, uh, certainly not wanting to be part of church or youth group or anything like that. And uh, so that was probably more just living my life as a typical teenage Aussie guy learning bass guitar and learning to be able to play footy and soccer with your friends. And that was more what was big on my mind than uh, than any of the religious stuff. Dan, your mum was very damaged in that accident. It was a very challenging time for you. And it, it kind of pushed you away from God. You grew up in the in a, a Christian environment, but really you didn't want to wrestle with anything about God until later. And there was a turnaround. When you were 18, that changed. What What changed? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, right through that period from 9 to 18, there was a faithful Christian presence in my life and probably most lived through my dad, uh, who in terms of his willingness to pick up the pieces of a very broken life, of being able to be faithful and support and care for my mum, of being an example of commitment and of devotion to me and just a private spirituality. We never talked much about God questions about Jesus, about what he was reading in the Bible or how that affects him. But it was something I could see from a distance that he would read his Bible, that he would pray, and that he was deeply committed to serving others and having this house of hospitality and generosity. And so there was that witness in the background more at a character level. But what really changed was I'm finishing up high school and did two weeks of a science and IT dual degree at UQ before I realized that's not what I want to do and dropped out. (laughs) It's one of the quickest dropouts in university history. But I just picked up working full-time in the part-time job that I had, installing filtration systems in swimming pools, working as a pool shop boy. And uh, and it was there that I just started asking big questions around what I want to do with my life. (laughs) I'm setting course now. Who do I want to be when I get to the end of it and look back? What do I want to be true of what I lived for and who I became? And so it was in asking those big life questions that uh, one of the guys I was working with who was a Christian at the time, he encouraged me. We're hanging out, going to sing bands together and tried to teach me to surf while I drowned. Uh, and <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> in those long car trip conversations, just to reconsider whether or not God had any answers to the kind of questions that I was asking. And, and he put a Bible in my hands and I had a whole bunch of motivated reasoning to try and read the Bible. I was keen on a girl at the time whose dad was a mm. pastor. And she said to me, look, you just need to figure out what you think on this stuff, not not because you have to believe if we're going to date, but just he's going to ask you questions. So you should at least know why you don't if you don't. So I, I had m- many reasons to pick up a Bible and start reading. But I, a I good did. strategy on her part. Very good. Yeah, missionary dating or something like this. Uh, so I opened at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 the next morning before work, got there early to the car park and just started reading through the Bible. And I didn't realize when a Christian says read the Bible, they usually mean read part of it. So I just assumed like any other book, <laughs> you just start at the beginning and work your way through. And most of it made no sense to me. Uh, the Old Testament was confusing. I didn't know who fit in where or why this country was in trouble or why God was angry at that person. Most of it I found bizarre. And, um, but when I got to the stories about Jesus, somehow I trudged right the way to the Old Testament and made to the Gospels in the New Testament. And I was just confronted by who Einstein called this luminous figure of the Nazarene. Jesus really did stand out to me in a way that no one else had. And as much as I was reading the stories about him looking for answers, I began to realize that his own life and his teaching was asking a whole lot of questions of me. And something shifted in seeing what he was like, where I knew that by the end of John's gospel, where it says, these things I have written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and believing have life in his name. I knew that if this is what God is like, if Jesus reveals what God is like, then 
this is a God I can trust, and, uh, and I believe this. So how, how long was this period when you— It would have been about three months it took to read okay. right through that section of the You Bible. really stuck at it. Yeah, I was reading over an hour a day for that period, uh, which just powering through it. And it, it affected me deeply when I finally made those stories about Jesus. And so I, I found myself saying, look, I think I believe this now, but I still have a ton of questions as to what this means. And, and if I'm now a Christian— maybe I should go back along to church and figure out what it means to follow Jesus now. And that was kind of my entry back into the Christian world again. Wow. So you were 18 at that point. I remember it happening just before my 18th birthday because uh, my 18th birthday was the Lone Star Steakhouse with most of my schoolmates, probably 30 or 40 fellas, and almost none of them were Christians. And uh, so standing up and saying, hey, thanks for coming. You know, you're some of the closest people in the world to me. And uh, just FYI, this may come as news to you, but I've decided I'm going to become a Christian and follow Jesus. And uh, that was a big thing for me. My biggest fear at 18 was public speaking. I would much rather be in the, the casket than give the eulogy at a funeral, right? I, <laughs> it was just not my cup of tea. But uh, that that was a line in the sand moment for me, getting up and telling them that, hey, this is this is something that I want to do now. And how did they receive that news? Uh, mostly apathetic. <laughs> you know, okay, cool, whatever. Uh, it was interesting. You know, you're sort of the butt of jokes over the next few poker nights on Friday nights where we all got together. <laughs> And, uh, but it was interesting later in the night as it comes around the campfire uh, in someone's house, they'd come over to you and begin to ask questions, not in big group scenarios, but one-on-one yeah. as the stuff that they're wrestling with or the questions that they have. And it was really where I started to realize, hey, I had questions about God, but a lot of other people have questions about life and God too. And uh, if I don't have the answers, how do I start going to be more helpful and looking for them? You're listening to The Story. Today, Phil Edwards is chatting with Dan Patterson, who's sharing his life journey. We just heard how he put his faith in Jesus and how he developed a heart to help others who are searching for answers to the big questions of life. We'll hear where that desire leads him as we hear more of Dan's story when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Phil Edwards chatting with Dan Patterson, who's sharing his life journey. As we heard before the break, Dan became a Christian when he was 18 years old after searching for answers to the big questions of life. Now we'll hear where God leads him as Dan has a growing desire to help others who are searching for truth. You weren't that familiar with the Bible, really, were you? You just kind of decided to open up, start at page one and chew on through. I think I knew a few of the Bible stories, more as sort of moral parables, I guess, from my young years, but knew very, very little of uh, what it was and how it pieces together. I think it says uh, two things. You know, uh, one is the the force that was at work within you to try and wrestle with these big questions that were out there and looking for answers. And then secondly, also, the power of God's word, you know, that you you stuck with it because the Old Testament's it can be it can be hard reading to you know churn through all of those books, but the stories of Jesus really spoke to you. Is there any particular one or any any particular aspect that really arrested you as you read through the Gospels? Particularly reading through John's Gospel, I found that was the one that most affected me. And mm. Jesus speaking about being the bread of life, or about living water, or 
about being the resurrection and the life. Just these things that when it comes to the deepest hungers that we have, what we're really searching for, he's saying all of these really point to me. Uh, And so it was his interactions with different people throughout the Gospel of John. That's the one that most made sense to me and melted my skepticism towards the Christian story. Mm. So you find yourself uh, having this realization that God is actually the place to find these answers. He is the one with, with the answers you make the declaration to your mates uh, over your 18th birthday that I'm going to be a Christian. And um, what happens to that? Is, is there a sense of calling that, that kind of really stirs within you? Yeah, well, I remember about that time going uh, back along to church and uh, I was going to Baptist Church here in Brisbane. And for the first few months, I would just come in for a night service, sort of sneak in, sneak out. And that was about it. Uh, didn't really learn probably a ton through that experience. Certainly didn't start to build any deep connections. And then someone asked me, hey, would you like to come along to uh, to a Bible study or a small group? And that was really a big catalyst of change for me. Started building some meaningful friendships through there, opening up the Bible with other Christians, learning how to read the Bible to put it in its context and piece together the various different kinds of genres and books to tell the coherent story about Jesus. And uh, so I did a ton of growing through there. And one of the interesting things, uh, I started going along on early mornings. There was a group of informal elders and long-term missionaries that had returned from the field who would meet together to pray from 6 a.m. till 7 a.m. every morning, Monday to Friday. Mm. And uh, I started going along to these prayer meetings with these really old people in my mind as an (laughs) 18-year-old. 35, were they? They would open the Bible, read the chapter, and they would share what's going on around the church, and then they would just start to pray. And then they'd break off spontaneously into hymns that I'd never heard of. And uh, just through about a year of spending time praying with them, really God's heart was forged in me over that period to pray for the things that God cares about, to learn the language of the scriptures, to see people just crying in tears of asking God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. And it was through there that it actually had the first uh, sort of whisper from one of these elders in my ear where in a moment of prophecy said, uh, I think God's setting you aside to preach the gospel. And that seems so foreign to me, given my aversion to anything public speaking. But uh, it was one of those things, you know, you sit back and sort of treasure in your heart. And then over the next couple of months, as I got baptized, I had the couple of very profound God dreams where you woke up knowing that I'd just met in the, the presence of God. And, uh, and both of them had to do with being able to share the Christian story and be able to preach the gospel and to see people come to have their answers wrestled with and see the good and true news of Jesus. And so this kind of calling began early. And then my, my pastors at the church said, look, we, we want to start training you to be able to get ready to do Christian ministry. And uh, so I was sort of enrolled at the local Bible college and my uh, my second beginning in uh, tertiary education kind of kicked off and did a couple of degrees through there. But it was those four or five years after coming to Christ of just beautiful formation in the church, a lot of opportunity to get involved in youth ministry or going and doing schools talks with a mentor and youth pastor and being able to be involved in doing Bible studies and mission trips and Red Frogs and just a host of different opportunities to put my hand to the plow and sharing Jesus with other people that uh, just built in me this desire to want to help people make sense of their questions in the Christian story and uh, kind of went from there. In the same way that you had wrestled with those things and, and found that sense, so to speak. Yeah, and found myself for the most part wrestling with that alone, that there wasn't anyone speaking to the kind of questions that even though I wasn't giving voice to, I certainly had internally, the things that either turned me off belief in God or made me think that there weren't answers to the kind of questions that I was asking. And so the more I tried to make sense of the faith for myself, the more I thought, gee, maybe other people have these questions too. And you turn around and start trying to help uh, create resources to do talks or have public conversations where you're addressing these things and it seemed to be helpful for people. 
Let's land this plane here as far as your story is concerned. We've been hearing about uh, your life. Uh, born in Melbourne, uh, nine years of age, your family is involved in a terrible car accident. Your mother is left with some brain damage and a very tough journey ahead. And you're left in this place where you're going, I really don't want to have anything to do with God. Yet, at 18 years of age, you wrestle with big questions. Read the Bible. Did you read the entire Bible? Or you I just, did. You so did? cover to cover. Cover yeah. to cover. As an 18-year-old and out of the it's back. It's a bit unusual. I know. It's very unusual. But out of, out of the back of that, you end up resolving that, yes, actually, God does have the answers to these big questions that, that we wrestle with. And that sets you on a course of ministry that it ended up uh, you becoming a, a Baptist pastor. That's right. So uh, partway through my master's degree at uh, Theological College up here, I was invited to become a youth and then young adults pastor at uh, the local Baptist church. And so just spent a wonderful season of ministry through there for sort of six years of particularly for youth and young adults wrestling with their questions and helping them see the relevance and reasonableness of the Christian story and why Jesus really is good news for every area of life and for everyone, and also why you can believe that this is true in a skeptical age and a world that demands reasons for the hope that's within us. And so uh, I loved those years. We saw a lot of people become Christians through there. A lot of people get baptized. A lot of people enter into different forms of Christian ministry or into even pastoral leadership. And so really, really fruitful season uh, through there. And, and partway through that time as a pastor, I went and spent a year in England doing some more uh, study over at o- the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics. And through there, this experience of wrestling with the big questions that our culture is asking and how we can answer them according to the Christian story and do evangelism undergirded by apologetics. Uh, I was invited to join an international team of evangelists and apologists where I really did ministry both around Australia and up into a lot of the Pacific and Asia, a little bit in Europe, a little bit in the US, but just helping people from different cultures, particularly young adults and often university students wrestle with these sorts of questions. So went from being a local church pastor to being sort of an itinerant evangelist and speaker and learning a ton through that season of life from some of my big heroes in the faith who were part of the team, people like John Lennox or Oz Guinness and Amy or Ewing and just being really formed and shaped for that kind of role of helping to share the Christian claim and the Christian story in the midst of a secular age. And it really kind of leads to today, where are people really gathering to have their thinking about God shaped? And in all of the research about young people, that's primarily happening online, where they're asking YouTube all of their big questions about religion and spirituality. Well, you want to know anything, you know, go to YouTube. It I, is I, omniscient, I, apparently. At least it's <laughs> omnipresent, it seems to be, with the accessibility of screens. Yeah. Uh, and and so the, the desire for creating a new ministry questioning Christianity was born to help bridge the distance between the in-house Christian world and the bubble that that can sometimes be, and then the secular or post-Christian world as people still are wrestling with life's deep questions. They just don't know how the God story connects or why Jesus is good news. And so to be able to create video content for YouTube channels, be able to spark social media conversations whilst continuing to speak in universities and schools and in churches, conferences and camps, both to help reach non-Christians and train Christians. That's kind of the heartbeat of uh, this new ministry. And so now we're full-time in there. I've got another guy working with me part-time on the digital arm of things and uh, seems to be starting to get off the ground and be helpful. So Yeah, I love what you're doing. It's great to see you getting some, some traction. There's one part of the story you didn't tell just there, though, and I'm curious to know what your answer would be to this. And that was you were uh, part of as the Australian director or perhaps the regional director of uh, RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International yep. Ministries. Now, some revelations came out uh, after Ravi's passing of some terrible things that it now appears were true. How did you wrestle with 
with that, given that I imagine Ravi was probably somebody you looked up to as well. Yeah. And, and how do we wrestle with that in that people are always going to let us down and, and we're probably in a bad place when we actually do put people up there uh, on a pedestal? Yeah, I appreciate that question. And, and certainly, um, you know, Ravi was one of the early influences that once I'd become a Christian, the books that were put into my hands or the messages that were given to me to wrestle with some of the questions that I was asking. And so it played a pretty big role in my kind of early formation, just in tying together culture, scripture, and many of the rich answers of Christian tradition that they offer for these big questions. And uh, so the invitation to join RCAM six years ago or seven years ago now and, and sort of pioneer the ministry in Australia uh, and have a couple of guys join me after a few years, um, that was just a really rich experience in life to work alongside the vast team of 100 or so speakers and to learn from them. Uh, and then to have that bubble burst, <laughs> having already stepped down from the team sort of March of 2020, Ravi died in May and then a whole host of really dark Allegations came out in September from a very credible source with Christianity Today, Daniel Silliman, and the interviews that he'd done. And then to have that independent investigation launched by RZIM to come back with a whole host of additional content on what they discovered uh, that was just gut-wrenching to read. Mm. I remember feeling sick uh, at the end of reading that report. Uh, it was just a really sad time. Uh, I don't know if there's any other way to put it. Uh, How do you that- reconcile the fact that, as you said, uh, his published works helped you in your own formation, and how do you how do you kind of separate that from the failings of the man? Yeah, there's a there's a whole range of questions that to me are still unanswered as to what was really going on in Ravi's world. Uh, was he a sociopath who just had almost no emotional connection to the things that he was doing and so was high-performing in his capacities but could just cut it off? Was he compartmentalizing in his life between a soft heart towards God and God's people and then just a callousness towards the women that he was abusing or an area of sin that had grown up to become so dark and destructive? Uh, these are just unknown questions, uh, and I, I don't think I'm g- going to get any answers on that front. The reality is the things that most influenced me were at times where Ravi was like any other under-shepherd who, for various reasons, is simply pointing towards the voice of the good shepherd. And the Apostle Paul on this, whether for selfish reasons or not, the only thing that matters is that Christ, the gospel, ultimately is truly preached. And the things Ravi said, the arguments that were made, they're true irrespective of whether his life lived up to it. And at its core, and this is a question I've been wrestling with for years because of the sexual abuse scandals within Australian history, well before all of this came out with Ravi, is if God is so good, why is the church so bad? How do we mm. wrestle with religious hypocrisy in general? I've done a talk to that effect because it's, it's sort of excised my mind so much. But um, on, on this point, the Christian story involves the same freedom that Adam and Eve were given at the beginning. When you become a Christian, God doesn't remove that freedom. Jesus with his life, and this is a, an analogy that's given by CPX and John Dixon in their documentary for the love of God, but they say it's like Jesus with his life composed a beautiful tune of music and Christians have the freedom either by the spirit to obey his commands and to follow his example or to do otherwise, to wander off script or to play off key. And the problem with Ravi wasn't that he was a Christian who did bad things. It's that in those moments, he wasn't being Christian enough. He simply ignored the voice of the Lord, the example of the Lord. And Jesus is the first to call out religious hypocrisy. And sadly, in the case of Ravi, we're not just talking about 
adultery or about sexual immorality, you really are talking about more predatory behavior that had developed and something that's much darker there. And certainly in, in these sorts of cases, again, the truth of the Christian story is not invalidated by a person's private life. Um, and I think it's a warning to all that the root of sin can grow up and start to choke us and to lead down much, much darker paths than, uh, than where we would ever have thought we would end up. So I think, you know, knowing the fear of the Lord, it's a warning. It's a wake-up call. Don't give an inch towards evil because you never know where that path might start to lead. And certainly uh, for the church, it's, it's the need for strong accountability and for no one to be above being questioned or to be held accountable or to have hard questions of the mast when certain things come up. And it was probably as part of the, the team and even uh, the role that you play in terms of helping to pioneer the ministry here in Australia there's just so many things that I realized I had no idea about that other people knew and just okayed or didn't raise big enough red flags. And so even launching kind of a new ministry for myself, it's saying, okay, as a young guy needing to have a board and accountability and transparency and a whole range of reasons, how do we do that well moving forward so that the same opportunity for evil is never going to grow up within the ministries that we're a part of. And so to see now something that you loved and invested into something that was worldwide, 12 offices, 100 speakers come shattering down and be closed down because of the sin of one man uh, is just really tragic. And yeah. to think of how many women's lives have been hurt, how many people who looked up to him, who had their faith influenced by him, who have been put on shaky ground because of it. It's just a real tragedy in my mind. Thank you for speaking so so candidly about that. What you're doing today, though, with questioning Christianity uh, is really uh, still gathered around that core truth of the truth of God because it doesn't matter what any of us do. We're all broken vessels. We're all imperfect, and we will be that way until you know God restores our, our perfection yeah. you know, with him in heaven. But these big questions, we have to wrestle with them. That was Phil Edwards chatting with Dan Patterson, the founder of the Questioning Christianity Ministry located in Brisbane. His story reminds me of a saying I just read the other day. It said, The truth does not mind being questioned, but a lie does not like being challenged. And that's because the truth found in the Bible can handle any of our questions because it's true and it will ultimately set us free. So we can rest assured knowing that it is healthy to explore those big questions in life that might have us staying awake at night wondering about them. God can handle it and welcomes you to search for him. As it says in the Bible, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And if you would like any help in your search for answers to your questions, a good place to go for help is Dan's ministry, Questioning Christianity. Just look for the Questioning Christianity Facebook page, where Dan posts all his latest videos dealing with many of the big questions of life. It's a wonderful resource for those seeking truth. Well, thanks for joining us for Dan Patterson's story. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Once we qualified for the grand final on the way home, driving back to home after qualifying, I had a huge fear attack of uh, anxiety about the worst case scenario happening the week after. And in that moment then decided it had to be faith that helped me overcome the fear that was that was waving through my body. And Philippians 4.13 become the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that I meditated on all week long. And I, I say to people, I literally put it on the back of the toilet door even so that everywhere I went, I would have that scripture 
Sean Hart is a former AFL player who reached the pinnacle of success when he played for the Brisbane Lions when they won the premierships from 2001 through 2003. However, he says that even though he and his team were having success on the field, he was often battling with depression off the field. He'll share his story and why he's passionate about preventing suicide next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.